0: The Rural Health Voice, Episode 78, Hospital Staffing. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What staffing challenges are rural hospitals experiencing? Korsha Brown, Vice President at Valley Health Page Memorial Hospital, Joined me to discuss how hospitals are dealing with workforce shortages. Well, welcome, Portia.
1: Welcome, Beth. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, we appreciate you taking up your time with us.
1: Absolutely. Um, I am uh, looking forward to our conversation here today.
0: Okay, so l- let's think back. How did you first become interested in healthcare?
1: Oh, wow. Um Yes, that is thinking back. So, um it's been about near nearly 40 years. Um that's kind of embarrassing to say. It's been 40 years, but wow. Um I became interested in healthcare, um you know, back back to my college days and um my father, uh well, even before that, um my grandparents you know, were, were great contributors to um, their local hospital. We lived in a rural community in Danville, Pennsylvania, and, and they were contributors and also volunteers to their local hospital. And um, at that time, um, Geisinger Medical Center in Danville, Pennsylvania was, you know, just a small rural community hospital, but now look at um, what they have become as a health system and Certainly, well known um, throughout the country and world. But um, yeah, I, I grew up in 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 little township across the Susquehanna River called Riverside, Pennsylvania, um, from Danville. And um, in that community, the community had many healthcare professionals, physicians. We were, my parents and grandparents were friends with many physicians and. The other employer in the community was Merck Pharmaceutical um, Manufacturing, and so my father um, re- started in Merck um, as a chemical engineer and retired in Merck um, after several moves to Merck plants throughout the country. But um, so you know, healthcare has kind of been in my blood, and um, when I went to, off to college, I wasn't quite sure at that time, even you know what I wanted to do or be and. Um but I gravitated towards the health sciences and became a uh, medical technologist. It was a five year degree program uh and and um uh, and again came became a medical technologist did my clinical rotations in birmingham alabama um, uh, received my Uh, college degree, two bachelor of science from Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama, one being BS in laboratory technology and a BS in medical technology. So um, from there, I just went right into healthcare um, and uh, as a, what we call a bench tech or a medical technologist and um, didn't take too long where I then seemed to gravitate into more leadership roles and, um, for most of my career have been in leadership and, and now, um, vice president here at, uh, Page Memorial Hospital in Luray, Virginia.
0: Why decide to go into hospital administration?
1: Uh, uh, again, gravitated, um, toward that area and I, I suppose somebody saw something in me that, um, led me to, led them to believe that perhaps I could uh, be that vice president. So, um, you know, it, it it just, everything just came into alignment, and um, there was an opportunity here. I, I started employment with Valley, uh, well, with Page Memorial Hospital. At that time, we were in an independent hospital, and um, since 1998, when I started employment, um, and then in 2008, uh, we were designated as a critical access hospital, and then um, then affiliated with Valley Health. So, um, so my my journey when I came here, I came here in 1998 as a laboratory director um, when we relocated uh, from Alabama, and um, following my husband's uh, career as well, but. Uh, This opportunity came available here in Luray, and I started out, as I mentioned, as lab director. Then I, after a few years, there was an opportunity to be the director of ancillary services. And then after that, uh, there was an opportunity here at PAGE to be the uh, leader, uh, director of quality and regulatory affairs. So, I then gained additional experience for regulatory oversight and certainly uh, quality, uh, process improvement, um, uh, learning uh, workflow efficiencies, etc. Then after doing that for a few years, I then also assumed operations or oversight of risk management, so I became the risk manager here um, and then it, the, there was a new role that came available in 2016 as vice president. So um, I've I certainly gained a lot of experience in a, in a variety of different areas here in a small rural community hospital and um, just just went right into that uh, vice president role. So I've um, been doing that since 2016.
0: Great. Now you used a term some folks may know. What is a critical access hospital?
1: certainly a, a critical access hospital is a is a designation that um, is that uh is provided to small um rural community hospitals and and um it it you, you certainly you need to apply for that um it you're you're only licensed for 25 beds you cannot exceed that uh it it is a way for small hospitals to um receive funding federal dollars um and and from the government to be able to keep your doors open. And you think of small rural community hospitals that you know the next closest hospital might be three hours away, you you know, certainly out west, Montana, South Dakota, et cetera. And even in the in in the in the plain states in Kansas, et cetera. so being able to provide access to care um, in rural communities and um, it, it's federal designation. And so we get paid a little bit differently. We get paid on cost. Um, we still have to very carefully watch those expenses. Um But but we are paid a little bit differently. So it it, it permits um, those small rural communities to have a hospital and access to care. And, um, yep, there's also different criteria, you know, designation. If you're in a mountainous terrain, you know, you can't be closer than 30 miles from another hospital. Um, So um, it it definitely has helped us here in Luray to, to have this critical access hospital.
0: How has COVID affected hospital operations?
1: Oh my goodness! Um, it has turned everything upside down. So um, we're incredibly thankful for our workforce that we have, and um, the pandemic in hospitals in general. In general, it's just um, you know we've learned to to pivot and change with little known information in the beginning. Um, to, you know, information as the, as the pandemic went along, um, we learned more and more about the virus itself and, and what we need to do to help to protect our staff, uh, our patients and, and the community. And so, um, certainly from the workforce perspective, you know, this is now what two and a two years, two plus years now, the pandemic. And fortunately we're seeing, um, you know, numbers of cases uh, reduced, and we're not seeing that same surge that we've seen sporadically through that pandemic. But um, our workforce has been has um, been tried for sure, and um, here at Page, you know, I'm, and 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 across the country, all over the country, and and world, um, the resiliency that our teams have. Um, shown and and displayed is just truly truly remarkable. Um, it hasn't been easy along the way. Uh, the emotional toll um, and physical toll that has taken on on the workforce um, is certainly to be understood and appreciated. And um, so we 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 do what we can to um, lift those team members up and um, fully appreciate their efforts throughout the pandemic.
0: And there's been considerable media attention about nurses leaving the field because of factors related to the pandemic. Are you seeing that at Valley Health?
1: Oh, um, yes. Yes, I, I, yes, they are. Um, now, when I say they're leaving the field, now I can say some have left and gone into travel agency um, where they're able to um, – make a little bit more money uh, doing that, and I, perhaps I should say not making a little bit more money, but making a lot more money um, if they so choose to get into a travel agency type. Um, also, we have seen um, nur- not only just nurses, but all healthcare professionals across the board, you know, people retiring early. Um, you know, if they're close to retirement, um, they they just choose to you know, exit and and have what we've heard of you know the great resignation or the retirement. People are just retiring early, um, but for different reasons. Whether they're leaving for another opportunity, whether it be in healthcare or not, um, and and I can't just say it's nurses. It's 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 across the board, even leaders. Um, it, it's just the 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 downstream of what this pandemic has done has just kind of turned it all upside down and um as as far as the workforce and um you know folks are leaving some some are leaving because of burnout emotional physical and whether it be moral injury um and and choosing to have more of a work life balance or um more of a well being um and so there's various different reasons for either exiting totally out of healthcare um i have heard even a you know not locally here or in our health system here at valley health but even um some trucking companies rec- trying to recruit nurses <laughs> to be truck drivers and i have heard um that you know again i don't i don't believe it was here with valley health but you know nurses becoming truck drivers and um, you know, getting paid much more and just totally getting out of the workforce of healthcare delivery. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely um, we're 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 seeing an incredible challenge with the workforce and numbers of people. Um, and so it is concerning, you know, if you don't have the people to do that work, how do we deliver health care um, and especially in rural communities?
0: Interesting. The nurse to truck driver option was not a career path that I had thought was feasible before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's other opportunities, I suppose, right? right? Now, even before the pandemic, rural health advocates talked a lot about a shortage of doctors and specialists, but are there other healthcare positions you were having trouble filling?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, you, um, you, y- y- healthcare and sometimes um, people that aren't in healthcare don't fully understand all the different types of professions um, required and needed to care for someone so for example you have respiratory therapist um, i cannot imagine where we would be during the pandemic without respiratory therapist um, We have laboratory professionals, medical technologists, and that is my career um, path background. Um, Those are the folks that do all the laboratory testing uh, kind of behind the scenes. And again, can you imagine if we didn't have those laboratory professionals doing that work and um, implementing uh, testing in our our local hospitals and sites um, to be able to manage through this pandemic? And all the other associated tests available um, for needed physician or provider um, discernment of what to do, I read um, and, and we know about seventy five to eighty five percent of the decisions that a provider makes are based on laboratory tests um, regarding um, you know what's their decision for treatment of care uh, for our patients. So we have our lab professionals incredibly important. We also have um, our radiology uh, techs, our rad techs. Uh, again, to do CTs or MRI uh, exams or ultrasound or echocardiograms. And and they all require special certification, special uh, training education. Um, You have our rehab um, specialists, so our physical therapists, our occupational therapists, our speech therapists, um, and our cardiopulmonary um, rehabilitation therapists. So, there there are a multitude of other professionals, and, and then we cannot forget about our pharmacy staff, right, our pharmacists, and again, in care delivery, how incredibly important pharmacists are, so... Um, when we think of hospital, we think of healthcare career paths. Many, many think solely of nursing or physicians, um, but we, but there also are, are many more. Um, we have physician or provider physician assistants. We have nurse practitioners. Um, we have case management, um, social workers, etc. Um, so so much uh, specialty and professions are needed, um, and then. Our, our our support line, right? Our facilities team, our our housekeeping team, our our team that puts food on the table for us. So our nutrition services. Um, it all takes everyone doing their part um, to deliver care. And um, so it's it's the entire workforce that that we support and lift up, especially especially now, and the pandemic has certainly. Um, shown that to us as as healthcare leaders.
0: And you talked about, you know, there being more than physicians and nurses, which is what usually pops into people's minds for healthcare careers. What are some of the other education requirements? Do you need a college degree for some of these other positions?
1: So it depends. Um, take respiratory therapists, for example, or medical technologist, or, you know, they have different um step or stepping stones so to speak and similar to nursing so you can have like in nursing you can have an associate's degree as a respiratory therapist you can have a a two-year associate's degree Um, and, and then you can then become, um, you know, for additional years, uh, in, in training and also classwork, you can become then a degreed respiratory therapist. The same for a laboratorian, um, you can be a medical laboratory technician, which is a two-year program, uh, and then you can do some additional coursework and then, um, become a medical technologist, or you can go right out of the gate and, you know, do a four-year degree as a medical technologist, um. You know, in in college, Uh, rad techs typically require some um, college prep um, work, uh, you know, just the initial year to just get some fundamental courses done. And then they apply into a rad tech school program, which typically runs around a couple of years. Ultrasonographer, again, some initial um, college first-year degree kind of courses, and um, then they go off to ultrasound school and similar to MRI school. And um, so it doesn't require a four-year degree, but oftentimes there are some prerequisite courses just to get into, you know, a
0: healthcare field. And what will Valley Health do to fill the gap for those positions?
1: Well, number—I'll just start with a number of things that you know Valley Health has done. So, the the pandemic has has created this wage inflation, um, where the the labor cost has just increased, and and really, you know, where does it end? Where does it stop? Because the agencies the, the traveling, um, professions. And this is not, again, just for nurses, you know, respiratory therapist agency or lab agency, or, you know, that's where people are seeing the money. Um, and so they're exiting, you know, the healthcare, um, hospital network systems and, and going to agency and this creating incredible market pressures for the hospitals, um, because it's, you, you you can't continue to compete with those escalation of the of the travel cost. So, um, but we do take a look at and have taken a look at the market um, and have made market adjustments to our salaries and done salary review. Um, you know we've also increased recruitment sign-on bonuses but not only Valley Health but so of the other hospitals as well and so you know it's um, everybody kind of increases up on their sign-on bonuses and 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 the referral bonuses and 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 then also at the same time trying to work on retention efforts so how do we keep our people employed here wanting to stay locally wanting to stay within our organization um and so it's 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 all very much a balancing act but a lot of attention and work has been done uh in the effort of of workforce um being creative sharing staff between hospitals is absolutely what's needed um i will say for rural, what we've experienced um You know, we we experienced our one ultrasonographer who chose to go back to agency because, you know, that's where um, she could make more money and and certainly can't blame her. But that's our only ultrasonographer. Um, The same is true for mammography. We have one mammographer um, that took another opportunity within our health system, but now we're faced with that decision, okay, how do we continue mammography services for our community here locally and so um with that effort we we have within the health system someone that will be able to come down from another hospital and provide the service at least for now one day a week and we we hope to look to um certainly recruit and find another mammographer but those are the those are the challenges that are being faced across not only here at PAGE or in our um, within Valley Health but it's across the country it truly is becoming this freight train that's moving so fast and and it's hard for um, hard for us to backfill or find um, solutions and so um, it 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 is incumbent upon us to really be transformational about how we're going to deliver care moving forward.
0: I know some facilities have turned to using international staff. Have you seen this at Valley Health?
1: Oh, indeed. Um we first started with our nursing um and uh, pretty much all of the six hospitals have uh recruited retained uh international staffing staff nurse at least one in our regional hospitals, our smaller hospitals, but um, and certainly at Winchester Medical Center, which is our hub hospital, um, where we, we've retained um, more uh, international nurses. And um, so that is very promising. Uh, I will say for our medical technologists, um, we're actively um, recruiting right now Um, an interview process um, internationally for our medical technologists. Medical technologists, um, there are very few schools out there, and uh, our teams uh, across the country are are getting older and getting closer to retirement. Um, And it it is incredibly hard to find medical technologists uh, to deliver laboratory medicine um, test results etc so we're looking now for international um, workers um, who are medical technologists have the same uh, american uh, college of uh, pathologists certification um, they're called the international ascp where it is the same as uh, equivalent to ascp here in the united states so that's their certification level so um, that is what we're we're going to, um, to help, uh, recruit, uh, and, and then, so what will happen with those, um, international students and specifically the medical technologists, they'll be here on a three-year, um, visa, and, and that's part of this, um, program that, we're recruiting for and then after three years, you know during that time, um, the hope is that they'll want to become US citizens and, and get their U.S um, citizenship and at the end of three years, um, you know stay on with us. And what we've heard from this particular um, company that they have an 85 percent success rate with that. So that is um, a future pipeline to help us in the short term, but you know the bigger question challenges, you know, how do we, how do we increase schools, um, for medical technology and awareness, even in the younger middle school, high school arena, um, of, of the different professions that are available in healthcare, um, because it's just doesn't have to be a nurse or a doctor, right?
0: So what could rural communities do to encourage more of their youth to consider healthcare careers?
1: You know, and, um, we it, certainly, here in Luray, we have um, have had interactions and, and, and wonderful programs with the school systems. Um, and prior to the pandemic, now during the pandemic, it's kind of been on a, a hold basis. But um, definitely, uh, I have reconnected with our superintendents around in the communities um, surrounding counties, but certainly here in Page County. How, how do we get in front of those students and you know help with a career day or sh- showcase the different professions that we we have um, have available in healthcare we did this prior to the pandemic and um, in fact uh, we're able to you know have, uh, students go. Hey, I want to be. I want to be a rad tech and learn how to do this, uh, do imaging. And um, so we've seen that, and and that's wonderful. So we just need to get back into the schools and um, partner with the school system to be able to showcase what the different healthcare professions are. Um, in our hopes that they'll come and and work here, or maybe they go off to a, a hospital in the urban setting, and then they end up coming back into rural. Um, settings. Uh, but, but that is truly um, a good way uh, to re-engage and, or to make aware uh, of the health professions with our youth. We, we have to go to them. Healthcare, healthcare, the industry, we have to go to them, not expect the youth to come to us. Um, we just have to get out there more um, and, and showcase what we have to offer.
0: If a young adult wanted to consider hospital administration as a career path, what advice would you have for that person?
1: Hospital administration, oftentimes you, you, in in healthcare, um, you oftentimes doesn't have to be this way, but oftentimes the best way is is to get a clinical background. You don't, like I say, you don't have to have that. You can go into healthcare finance even. Um, but having a clinical background also does give you a different perspective of um, what the healthcare workforce is, is maybe going through. Um, and so... You know, finding a profession that you want to be, um, you know, learn more about, and and maybe you know, get a couple of years of of frontline staff work is is often very helpful. And then from there, um, you know, pursue a master's degree, pursue a master's degree in public health, public administration, masters of health administration, or nursing, um, uh, and and. You know, whatever your path may lead you to be. And and then from there, um, you know, whether it's through, you know, a masters in healthcare administration, you know, you have internships or externships and you're able then to, you know, really, um, when you do that you often go into um you know the the, the C suites of of some of the uh, health systems, and you're able to really see that work that's being done as an administrator, and gain a lot of helpful uh, gain a lot of insight that will be helpful um, to pursue uh, healthcare administration. and 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 You just right off the bat, you just don't land a job right into a, you know a VP or a president or administrator role, um, but Um, You learn and grow along the way and and, um, put yourself out there and, you know, take on new projects, et cetera. Um, And, you know, be inquisitive and and learn. Um, Ask for support or for mentorship. Um, So there are also associations, whether it be the American College of Healthcare Executives, uh, that will certainly help to... um, Guide and uh, support any future healthcare executives uh, or administrators. So there's um, definitely uh, a path uh, if if folks want to do that.
0: So it almost sounds more like a career spiral than a direct path from A to B.
1: Indeed, indeed, Beth. And um, at least I've I've seen that. Uh, You you take stepping stones along the way, and. and learn and grow. And, and the door opens and, you know, decisions are made whether you want to take that next step or not. But if you do want to be a, a CEO, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of help along the way from people that you work with, too. So having great relationships and support from mentors um, is, is important as well.
0: So the last question, question I ask all my guests, if you could do anything... What would you do to improve health and health care in rural America?
1: In the 2021 top issues confronting hospitals, um, they had a survey where hospital CEOs have ranked personnel shortages as their number one concern. Um, The first time since 2004 that financial challenges has not led the top spot. So, um, and that's that's across the country and let alone rural, which even um, is even more challenged. So, I, I would say we need to, the most important thing um, that we need to be working on is sustaining and supporting, recruiting, growing um, the healthcare care workforce. Um, and from my perspective, especially in rural, where you lose one of those specialties and then you lose access to care in the community for that specialty work, so whether it be mammography or whether it be ultrasound so um, that that would be the most important thing um, that I think we should be working on and working to improve. You know, there's so prior to the pandemic, we had, you know, all the um, social determinants of health and, um, you know, population health. And how do we how do we work with our our communities? Um, but, you know, if we don't have workforce to do that work to help care for the patients, um, then any kind of model for healthcare delivery um, that that our country has been talking about or um, been working on, especially even for critical access hospitals, that's all mute. Um, and, and we have to have the workforce able to keep our doors open. So um, I think that's where our focus needs to be. How do we how do we um, provide that? wellness? How do we provide that work-life balance for our employees that we currently have? How do we recruit? um, How do we recruit to our healthcare fields? How do we, um, you know, the VHHA recently has hired a um, director of workforce initiatives. She just started in her role um, in January. Her name is Sharon Alexander, and her role is, um, you know. Recently, she formed a, a workforce steering committee, and with thirty members representing healthcare facilities across the Commonwealth, just to look at what we can do um, to have a, a vibrant workforce and, and development. And so, um, we realized, and, and Sharon realized, um, with that committee work, that Virginia is um, about twenty eighth in the United States for the number of RN graduates. Um, in our, in our Commonwealth. So, and, and then how do we recruit even outside the state to come to want to work into, in Virginia? So this is, um, is, it's, you know, uh, downstream of the pandemic has certainly um, made and highlighted our our workforce challenges that we have ahead of us. But there are some creative, you know, there are some solutions out there and and some hope. Um, We just need to Try to figure out how to, how to be very transformational. So, anyway, I know that was very long-winded there, uh, Beth, but um, it definitely is is um, something that we all need to be taking a look at and, and work on.
0: Well, it's long-winded because there are no quick answers to addressing workforce shortages. Yes, indeed. Thank you for joining me today, Portia. We appreciate your time.
1: Thank you very much, Beth.
0: That's Portia Brown, sharing her desire to interest youth in health care careers. If you want to learn more about rural health, check out online resources such as the Rural Health Information Hub. You can find the hub at ruralhealthinfo.org. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. It is sponsored by the Virginia State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.